Okay. All right. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts. Bibles. Bibles are good. Yeah, Bibles are exciting. Okay. We're going to open them up now to the book of Acts. Hey, have I told you yet? It's Pentecost Sunday. What's that all about? What's Pentecost Sunday all about? Well, if it's Pentecost Sunday, that means we turn to Acts chapter 2. Okay, so open your Bibles or click on your phones or whatever it is, Acts chapter 2. Here's what it's all about, at least the, at least the introduction. First four verses of chapter 2 is what we'll look at today. Let's read them aloud together. I'm going to be looking at my notes, and so I'll, uh, sitting is where you guys stop, so I'll stop at sitting. I mean, we'll keep going, but I'll pause. Ready? When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise, like a violent rushing wind, came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You should read it like you've never read it before. What? Verse, verse 3 and tongues that looked like fire appeared, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop. Oh, let's read verse 4 again. Ready? And they were all and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Wow. Now, I heard somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's give the Lord thanks. Wow. This was it. In all four of the Gospels, when John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me is coming one who is more powerful than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This was it. When Jesus told his disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, this was it. When Jesus reminded them that he had told them about this promise. We remember what he told them. He said that the promise of the Father would be the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would be for them another helper. Remember, alas, parakletos. There would come a helper who would be to them and for them just like Jesus, indistinguishable, that you couldn't tell them apart, that he would be in them and with them and for them in the exact same way that Jesus would. He would be their teacher. He would be the one who would guide them into all truth. He would be the one who would speak to them from heaven. This is the one who would convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. This is the one who would bring all that Christ has to his church and upon him. This was it. When Jesus told them in Acts 1, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This was it. When Jesus told them that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. This was it. When Jesus said that the coming of the Holy Spirit would enable them to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. This was it. Finally, finally, somebody's helping. 
Yeah, I work so hard to stay. Hint, 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 you're supposed to finish it. I only have two more to go, so you better get with it. When Jesus told them to wait until for this, let's go home. Good job. If you could just remember that. Between promise and possession, they waited together in shared hope all of them with one heart and with one mind for this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. He is the subject. We are the object. It's His church. I was reminded Him about that today. Not that He needed to be reminded, but I was reminded by Him by reminding my own self. People were listening and waiting in worship. I just kept saying, you are the subject. We're the object. You're not the adjective. You're not the one who, you're not the, you're the paraclete. You're here. This, you, this, is, this is your, your congregation, Lord. You're the actor. We are the receivers. This is the imminent presence of God. God with us. This is the prophetic and the powerful and the personal presence of God. This is the ongoing fulfillment of, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Without this, Emmanuel would be, God used to be with us. Or he was with us for a few years and then left. But because of this, it's God with us. This is Jesus' promise to be with us even to the ends of the earth. This is the mystery behind Jesus pulling his disciples close and saying, I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm coming to you. This is vital contact. This is Jesus bringing us into living union with his spirit. Life-giving, sanctifying, empowering, comforting. That holy connection, that fellowship. This is Pentecost. This was it. And any celebration of Pentecost must be a consecration to Pentecost. Well, what was this? Well, let's take a look. Let's walk through the text a little bit. It begins with this. When the day of Pentecost had come. The day of Pentecost. What's the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost was seven weeks after Passover. It was called the Feast of Weeks. Why was it called the Feast of Weeks? In seven weeks. Seven weeks after. It was a celebration of the grain harvest. It was one of the really big come to Jerusalem kind of feasts. So big that some that came for Passover stayed. They just hung out seven weeks. They didn't have any DVR to watch. In later years... Not in the uh, not in the in the Pentateuch or in uh, in the in the in the history text of the of the Old Testament, but in the later years, as their culture progressed and, and they wrote and reflect in their own theology, so you would find this in the apocryphal texts and in the pseudepigraphic text that um, Pentecost became a remembrance of and a celebration of the Sinai event. 
Leviticus, uh, Exodus 19, the Leviticus, uh, the book, the entire book of Leviticus happens in Exodus 19. So you have at Sinai, they have you have the uh, uh, people that are saved by the blood of the Lamb, rescued out of bondage and darkness. Passing through a baptism of water, and then they receive a gift at Sinai. The law is a gift to redeemed people. Don't let people tell you, oh, law, it was, it was so bad, it was so mean. No, it wasn't. The Decalogue, there's nothing mean about there's nothing harsh about the Decalogue. Don't uh, kill people. Uh, don't take other people's stuff. All right, all right, that makes sense. The Decalogue it just codifies the character of God, the Ten Commandments, and then and then be, and then beyond the Book of Leviticus, which is the the their religious, the sacrificial system. Beyond that, but really the rest of it, if you look at Old Testament theology, the rest of it is really a commentary on what that looks like. What does it look like to honor the Sabbath? What does it look like to not covet? What does it look like to not steal? All that kind of thing. So the law then is given. The law is a gift. To a redeemed people. And it's given to them to govern their lives, to characterize their way of life. And if they follow that law, sorry, hello online, okay? Uh, If they follow it, they're supposed to follow it day by day, they're supposed to kind of govern the whole of their life and individual things. And if they follow it, it will bless them. It'll lead to a life of freedom and blessing and goodness in their life. And, and so you, that's, what this, so that's what happened at Sinai. But what's interesting, when, when that happened at Sinai, they were all, somebody should start shouting, they were all together. They were all together. And, 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 and there were certain pneumatological phenomena. There was wind and shrinking and fire. And, And in the midst of pneumatological phenomena, God, God himself. Oh, man. You know, the, he wrote it. It came from God. God gave them the Ten Commandments. And so later, in later years, when you get to the Feast of Pentecost, it became a celebration, a remembrance, and a celebration of the Sinai event. Now, I don't know, there's no real proof that Luke is making the connection there. He may not have been intentionally, but it's sitting right at us. So when the day of Pentecost, when the, that day when they celebrated the Sinai event, and they celebrated a gift given to a redeemed people, they were all together in one place. And there were pneumatological phenomena. There was a great sound. There was the appearance of fire. And the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to a redeemed people. And if those redeemed people, this, and the, this gift is meant to characterize their lives and govern their lives. And if they live by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16, if they walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16 and 22, if they do that, it will lead to blessing. Yeah. 
it will lead to freedom. Galatians 5.16, if you then walk, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says that the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says that we are servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, of, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This a beautiful picture. Now, again, I want to say Luke doesn't seem to make any real effort to explicitly draw our connection to Sinai, but it's sitting in there staring at us. But what Luke does do is he goes out of his way to making sure that the reader understands this powerful moment of a fulfilled promise. This is a powerful moment of a fulfilled promise. Somebody say again, this was it. Now, on, on a pastoral level, if we could just come back and say, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a sort of really encouraging thought. Exegetically, theologically, ooh, Pentecost, Sinai, Holy Ghost, awesome. Here, on a pastoral level, hear these words. When the day had come. <sighs> just trust me. Just say it out loud, those, those words. When the day had come. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. God's promises are not an if. They are a when. You will have what you wait for. And his promises are worth waiting for. Check a look. This says they were all together in one place. I know that might seem like I'm emphasizing some of the small things, but this is important for, our, for today, and it's important for the rest of the book of Acts. But look at these words. They were all together in one place. Oh, let's all say it together. You ready? They were all in one place. Ah, these are important, all of them. They were all together, and that, this word all is important. Oh, it's so exciting and important, and maybe I'll be the only one really excited about it. But... It was this word all. Why? Because what God has for them will be for all of them. And they were together in one place. In the book of Acts, unity is important, but really unity, actually part of unity is proximity. Being close together, being together is important. Why? Because we also see this, that what God does for all of them, he does for them as they are with one another. And you, if you've got a pen and you're circling in your Bible or highlighting stuff, ever see that, find that word place. Just circle it every time you see it. Mm-hmm. Because places are important. Oh, man. Okay, like, where were they? They were probably in the temple. They were probably up on the one of the, one of the sides up there in Sol- Solomon's Colonnade. It had a little roof on it. You can see it in little pictures in your study Bible. They were probably up there. That's, that's not important. If they were, Luke would have said it was really important. It wasn't the location, but is that they were, they were together in one place. Yes, you can say this. True. The church is, church is not a building. I know the bumper sticker, right? Church is not a building. It's not a place. It's a people. Right. That's all true. But people gather in places. What God does for them will be for all of them. What God does for them, he will do as they are all together. And what God does for them, he will do in a place. And because of that, places become sacred. They become become devoted to the presence and the purposes of God. This place 
is sacred. This place is sacred. Wherever, 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 it's okay. Wherever we embrace the presence of God, His purpose, wherever we sanctify His will, we say, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way, that place becomes sacred. This place is sacred. That new place you're just moving into, sacred. Come on. Not just lovely, sacred. Fruit Valley Ranch, sacred. And if, if when the Lord gives us uh, an auditorium that seats more of us at one time, <laughs> I listen, I got to soft shoe that one because if I let go too hard, I'll, this one will blow up over here. <laughs> they were all together, one place, and then, oh, I told him 10 o'clock, we're good. Everybody, then suddenly, there we go. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, that, now that if you're honest, that this at this point, that's a very curious word. Suddenly, what do you mean? Suddenly, they've been waiting for ten days. <laughs> they've been waiting for ten days. We just had, we just finished ten days of prayer here, prayer all day long. In fact, after you're waiting for 10 days and something happens, you might expect that Luke would have used the word, and finally. (laughs) (laughs) But suddenly, suddenly means here that although they had waited in expectation, what came finally was not met with a sigh of relief. They weren't like, well, thank God that's over. We can go back to regular life. We waited long enough. It's finally over. No, no, no. It didn't come with a sigh of relief. What came? It came with a jolt of joy. This is what's exciting about living and waiting for the promises of God. Because they do, they are, they do require patience and they do require perseverance. And as we wait for the promises of God, it helps us to fix our gaze. We become people of focused, persevering, patient strength. We become people that are just drunk on hope. <laughs> Unable to be distracted and discouraged, discouraged by the wind and the waves. Live by the promises of God. The wind comes up, the waves come up. We still got our eyes on Jesus, not going down. We live by the promises of God. We look because we believe. We believe in his promises. They're all good. They're all true. He keeps his word. And we believe that this Jesus who left, he will come in like manner. We are people for the law who live strong and for the long term. But even then, as we people who are waiting, we are people of promise. Even then, when God's promises come to us, they come to us even though we've been waiting for them, longing for them. Even when they do come, they come with a freshness. They come with a wonder and a whelm. They don't come as a surprise. Well, golly, he kept his word. They don't come to us as a surprise. They come to us as a sudden. And if we're paying grateful attention, friends, suddenlies will happen to us all of the time. 
Suddenly, our fears are relieved. Suddenly, desires are fulfilled. Suddenly, pain is healed. Suddenly, doors are open. Suddenly, needs are met. These aren't surprises. They are suddenlies. And in here in our text this morning, suddenly, a noise, a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. No, noise like a wind. Now, that doesn't mean that there, there was an actual wind that blew. It's, it's, Luke is using the similar language he used in Luke 3 when he talked about Jesus at his baptism, when he said the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. It wasn't that a birdie fell from the, from the sky necessarily. And this wasn't like a wind necessarily. I mean, I wasn't there. But he says a no, the emphasis is that there was a noise that sounded like a wind. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Look, you try to sit here and talk on Pentecost Sunday with Cammie and Barney right there. They're already they're there one step ahead of me the whole time. <laughs> a noise like a wind. But here's what's fun. Just wait because it's all fun on the way. Okay. The word wind here is not there's there's different words in the Greek for stuff. Right? And this word wind means breath. Oh breath of God, come breathe within, come like a rushing wind. This this word means breath. And so if you read it, it's, it's, it actually says there was a noise like a violent rushing breath. This was the very breath of heaven. The breath of heaven came to them. And it says the sound came from heaven. You all need to get this, especially some of us with different backgrounds or whatever. Well, I'm not too sure about all that Holy Ghost stuff. It's for he's from heaven. This is from heaven, not from sideways, not from Weirdville. What God has for us, he has from heaven. What was coming, what that wind, what that breath was bringing was heaven itself. And, as Cammie reminded us, it wasn't just a regular wind. It was, a Luke says, a violent rushing wind. Now, he could have been, you know, as a good scribe, he could have, you know, eased back a little bit and and here's the point that he wrote that that he wrote that down is important because luke wasn't there yet he wasn't there yet luke as we know if we follow luke luke was a luke for the first part of his stories in the gospels and 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 here he he did careful research this is the result of him talking to people who were there now i think if you want to know what i think i'm going to tell you what i think is i think luke spent a lot of time with mary well, why do you say that? Because if you're a mama, you know when it says Mary treasured these things in her heart, you had to talk to Mary to know that. Bartholomew didn't tell her. Well, you know, Mary was treasured in her heart. Poor. So he had to ask them about this day. And it had to be that more than one, several of them said, listen, Luke, you wouldn't believe the sound of this thing. It was a violent, it sounded like a violent rushing wind. This was not your average wind. This is the sound the wind makes when it's bringing something powerful with it. 
This is the sound the wind makes when the weather is about to change. And again, listen to this. What did the sound do? It filled the it filled, someone say filled. filled. It filled the whole this is. These are important. Please don't read past this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you read this carefully, it will form your doctrine. It will help us understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit. That it filled the whole What was coming from heaven was for the whole house. Yes. It was for the whole house, everyone in it. Yes. From Meg in the front, Brian in the back. It filled their whole house. It filled every, it didn't, there wasn't parts of it. There wasn't stuff left out. It didn't just show up in the chapel and leave the kids' room out. It filled the whole house. Come on, somebody, it's for the whole house. It was for their whole house, and what heaven has is for this whole house, and what heaven has is for my whole house, and guess what? What heaven has is for your whole house. And then it says, and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested upon each of them. Ooh, I'm running out of time. But this is what happened. So it looked, basically it looks like a, like, a, like a cloud or a pillar, you might say, of fire. Yes. Okay? Like a like tabernacle motif there. Comes into the room, and then and it fills the whole room. It settles upon the room where, where all of them are together. And that signifies something. But then it separates into each one. And then there's a, and there's a little... <laughs> a little tongue, a little flame that's separated and then landed on two or three special of them. No, No, I'm pretty sure that's what happens is that the flame separates and finds the really special people and lands on them. And then heaven says, oh, not for you. Not for you. You didn't grow up in church. Not for you. No, really, only on some. Landed on. Somebody say each. Each of them. Luke's writing on purpose. Each of them. First Corinthians 3.16 says that you together, you corporately, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The gathered community is the temple. When the Spirit first comes, there's this pillar that's, that, that comes and fills the whole room. Okay, signifies that the whole room, that we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But then 1 Corinthians 6, 6, 19 says, but you individually, your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Each of you. You, your body is the most sacred place on planet Earth. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says that each of these came to rest upon them. You know what that sounds like? That sounds just like what John the Baptist said. He said, I, the one who sent me said, look for the one that the, who the Holy Spirit descends and remains on. Because what happens to him, he's going to do for everybody else. And then we see it. It came and it rested upon each of them. It remains. Jesus said, he will, he will come and he will abide with you forever. And here it is. You ready? Take a deep breath. Verse 4. There's no way that I have enough words or the right words for the significance of this. So we just have to ask the Lord to help us feel it and hear it. 
and they were all filled. Are you feeling the pattern that Luke has set? And they were filled with they were all filled that had never happened before never before in the history of God's covenant with people had the Holy Spirit come and filled everybody oh it's like no in the past he came and found all the heroes of the story one or two and the whole company of Israel, Moses, and then after him about 70 others, and then that's it. And even them, just for a little, just for a little while. And then throughout the history, there'll be one or two or several. There'll be a prophet, a king. There'll be an anointing. Special ones for special times, special purposes. But not now. This is Pentecost. And now, everyone. I don't know if you can feel the weight of that. I don't know if, we, if you believe that. This is for all of us, for everyone. They were all filled. It, you think about uh, who was in the room? Who was in the room? That's right, John. Oh, because he's famous. John was in the room. Yes, yes, yes. Who else is in the room? Well, Peter. Oh, and then, and, oh, then we, got, yeah, we got some people that want to remind us. Jesus' brothers, they showed up. Remember, we talked about that last week. They got on Team Jesus, right? So we got, sorry, hello, I'm on the stairs, uh, uh, the chairs. Uh, who else is in the room? You got the women. Yeah, you got Matthias, right, because you talked about him. So everybody that we know, all the famous people were in the room. Who else was in there? Mary. Mary, yeah. Still not helping me out very much here. Who else was in there? Who? Dav. Dav, you bet. All right. He was, he was in front, pushing everybody out of the way. Grab, grabbing their, grabbing their little tongues, probably put it on my head. <clears throat> Who else was there? Barney. Barney. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> Who's Nick? Michael. Who else was there? Eric. Heidi. Well, I don't see their names. Each one. They were all. That means, that means, what's your first name? Ken. That mean, what? Ken. With an N, not a T? Correct. That means Ken, listen, that means Ken got the same Holy Ghost as Peter. They were all filled. Pentecost is the great equalizer. It wasn't like, oh, the varsity got more and then the junior varsity got a little bit less. And then the sophomore team, well, they got nothing. Then there was some red shirts. That's a sports term. Go sports. (laughs) I don't know. I just know it means that you're doing, not doing something when you're wearing a red shirt. In Star Trek, it means you're about to get dead, but... <laughs> they were... All you guys got to hear this. That means every single person had the same potential as Peter. Every single person had the same responsibility, the same opportunity, the same calling, the same power, the same promise, the same Holy Ghost. That's Pentecost. They were... 
<laughs> Very good. They were all filled. And they were all filled. I'm not going to say, Dad, but you're pushing it. Yeah, I know. They were all filled. Nobody got half measures. Not one person with more or less than another. And they were all filled. This is the part that should knock our socks off. I'm not going to do a good job. So just have to feel it. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh. God himself. This was it. God, very God, the Spirit of the living God filled them. The Spirit of the living God came near. He came within. They were immersed with the Spirit. They were whelmed by the Spirit. They were pickled by the Spirit. They were, he, they were cucumbers before He came. And now, now the, his, his influence upon them changes everything, makes them palatable. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that hovered over creation and the, and the darkness in Genesis 1. The same Spirit that God breathed life into Adam and Eve. He breathed life into creation. The same Spirit that blew and, and the Red Sea parted. The same, spirit that, the same Spirit that Ezekiel said, I prophesy to the wind and the, and the breath of God came upon a valley of dry bones. The same Spirit. Spirit, the same Spirit that descended upon Christ at His baptism, now the same Holy Spirit fills upon, comes upon and fills the church, the followers of Jesus Christ. This was it. And then, and then they began to speak. They began to speak. It with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. This was a miracle, powerful, supernatural expression. It was a prophetic expression of a personal and powerful experience with the Holy Spirit. The wind filled the whole house. Tongues of fire rested on each one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they all spoke. Somewhere, we got to be careful, somewhere in evangelical doctrine, it's like they are great. It's like if they figure it's a funnel. It starts off with everybody, and it ends up with just a handful. No, this is for everybody. They all spoke. We'll talk more about tongues probably in a couple of weeks or next week. But the emphasis that Luke has right here is that everyone shared the same experience and Everyone participated in the same expression. Both the experience and the expression are a part of the promise. Both the experience and the expression are part of the same promise. Both the experience and the expression the same promise. The, the experience was inhaling the breath of God. And the expression was exhaling the voice of God. They inhaled his breath and they exhaled his 
They lifted up their voice in languages supernaturally supplied to them by the Holy Spirit that they did not know, but they were declaring the wonders of God. And after this, nothing was ever the same. They lifted up their voice over that city, and then 3,000 people surrendered to Jesus Christ. That's the voice of God. The breath of God entered. Go ahead and inhale with me. The breath of God entered, and the voice of God came out. This is Pentecost. This was the sign that the promise had come. Not just the wind, not just the fire. How did they know? Because something new had happened. This had never happened when they began to speak in a spiritual language, a language of prayer and praise toward heaven. And they knew. This was brand new. And this was the new normal. This was the new normal. Because it was for everyone. And we'll see it again and again and again. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not exceptional. It's not for the extraordinary. It's the new normal. It was for them, and it still is. We know this for certain. Listen to Peter tell the crowd this in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Listen particularly to verse 39. When the crowd said, well, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For, verse 39, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Any celebration of Pentecost must include a fresh consecration to all of this means. As we close today, can I invite you to stand together? Our response to this Lord, help us all to believe afresh today that this promise is for us. That you, the God, very God, wants to come and fill us. To bring us into vital contact with the Holy Spirit. That your sanctifying, empowering, guiding, comforting presence would be upon us. You would empower us, teach us, lead us, guide us, and make us your witnesses. That we be a people who breathe in the breath of God and breathe out the very voice of God.
So as we come, Lord, to consecrate ourselves afresh to this promise, first we repent of sin. If you've got unconfessed, unrepented sin, you've been trying to hide stuff, you can't hide it. Just acknowledge it right now. Confess it and repent. Lord, we repent of unbelief. We repent of sin that's been hidden, harsh words, hard feelings, disobedience, stuff that we've said, that's not sin. I don't think it is sin. We know it is. We ask you to forgive us. Your word says if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we repent of our sin and we come to you now and we say, Lord, we say, come Holy Spirit now for Christ's sake. We would ask you, Lord, to fill us afresh today. Immerse us and fill us with your Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit come upon us. No matter how, where we've walked or how we've walked, all of us today come in need and desire and longing for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Now as an act of faith, just go ahead and breathe in like you were breathing in the very breath of God. Just breathe in the breath of God. Breathe in His presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. From one end of this room to the other, from the front to the back, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just breathe Him in. Breathe in His influence, His holy influence, His manifest power, His love for you. Breathe Him in. Breathe in. Welcome the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Welcome His infilling. Welcome His empowering. Jesus has paid the price. He has made you clean. He's made you, he's made you a fitting temple. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you breathe in the Spirit of God, instruments help me worship the Lord. As you breathe in the breath of God, lift your voice across this room and just exhale the very voice of God. Go ahead and let the breath of God out in praise and in worship with your understanding in the Spirit. Go ahead and open up your mouth and let the river of God come right up out of you.
loop right off the plate. Thank you for this promise, Lord. Amen. Folks, if you'd like to stay and pray, you'd like someone to pray with you or for you, or if you just want to find a place of prayer, I'm going to have the worship team play for a little while longer. Otherwise, the Lord bless you. Happy Pentecost Sunday. Find your kiddos. Go back to the cafe. Say hello to somebody. We're going to stay in here and just make a place of prayer. So 